Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, 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 here we are, everybody. Thanks for coming to Parks and Recollection. It's me, Rob Lowe, with the great Alan Yang. What's up, everybody? Um, Alan, this episode we're doing today, I got to tell you, uh, Rock Show is literally unbelievable how all of a sudden in this episode, the show finds its voice. It's a lot of fun, right? It's a lot of fun. I got I got to ask you, and I'm dead serious. This isn't just because I'm co-hosting with you on a professional podcast. I, I really do need to know why. Why is this so different? Why does this episode, it's only the sixth episode in the show. It's like, I mean, honestly, episode one honestly feels like the deer hunter <laughs> compared it, to yeah. this. It's like an Antonioni movie. Yeah, this this uh, a lot of people point to season two, right? Like, yeah, it changed in between seasons. Like, season one's different than season two. But if you watch this episode, which is technically part of season one, you see a lot of the DNA of the show. And f- what struck me is just the joy and the energy of this episode, right? It just feels faster. I, a lot of that's due to our very special guest this episode, Chris Pratt. But yeah, there's just a, a, a joy and a, and a sort of, sense of of fun that i think um you know was building in the other episodes um very quickly i'm just going to read a synopsis the episode's called rock show it's written by norm hiscock and directed by mike shore aired on may 14th 2009 and this is what happens in the episode in celebration of andy getting his cast off the parks department is invited by ann to a show that andy's band scarecrow boat is playing but before the show Anne finds out his cast could have been off two weeks earlier, leading her to be furious with Andy. Everyone brings a date to the show aside from Mark, causing him to get drunk and hit on Anne. Anne rejects Mark and gets Andy to leave the venue to confront him about his behavior. Meanwhile, Leslie unexpectedly gets set up on a blind date by her mom with a much older man. Leslie continues the date out of politeness and eventually ends up at the show with everyone else. Mark and Leslie linger at the bar and flirt, eventually kissing at the pit. Andy and Ann fight, and she attempts to break up with him. The episode ends with Mark falling into the pit after Leslie rejects his advances if the intention is that they remain casual. So a lot of stuff happening 
We're so excited to have Chris Pratt here. We're going to be talking to him about what it was like to join Parks and Rec, the history of Mouse Rat, the making of the episode of Rock Show. And as always, we're going to close out the show by answering one of your fan questions in the Pawnee Town Hall. When you come and spend time in Parks and Recollection, you just don't know what you're going to get. Sometimes you're going to have major motion picture stars just showing up. Oh, by the way, and that's what we have with Mr. Pratt. So in all seriousness, the energy is way, way up. People seem to be having more fun making the show. Is that that they're, they're just more comfortable that they've done six or, or five and they've got it under their belt? Yeah, I think it's just the process of making the show, doing the table reads, shooting, getting the edits in, all of that stuff. And the realization, like, this is where the show lives, right? This is the cast you have. These are the writers you have. Um, and yeah, you watch this one and it's just moving and people are laughing and smiling. There's a lot of music, like all that stuff helps, like all that stuff helps. Once again, the club is like, it's just kind of a different show. And I think, you know, I think Mike talked about this at some point, all shows do sort of calibration as they go. And really some people, again, some people think the break happens between one and two, but honestly, this one feels like the show and it's just the sixth episode. So you think about it, it's not that long until the show kind of finds its groove. It's almost like even going into the theme, which is always lovely. We love the Parks and Rec. Who doesn't love the Parks and Rec theme? Somebody said, let's suck everything out of this that feels like an indie movie and just pedal to the metal and funny. And this is when it happened. Yeah. And it gets, you know, that cold open basically is Andy gets his cast taken off and there's a bunch of garbage in there. There's like toys and candy and like an iPod shuffle or something. That's the era we were in, right? It's like an iPod in there. It's like a shuffle. And then at the end, he stands up and his legs are so weak, he falls over and you go right into the theme song. And it's almost like the theme song knew what the show was before we did, right? The theme song feels like the show. It's so upbeat and warm and happy. And that's what this episode is, right? It's like the other episodes were a little bit more quote unquote realistic or sort of more more of a downer. And this one is like, no, everyone's up, 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 up. You know, Aziz is 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 less on sleeping pills, like you said. He's yep. much more energetic. Um, and then Pratt, of course, we're gonna talk to him about it later, but he has this legendary talking head where he talks about all the band names. And that's like, you know, that that was sort of a touch point for the, you know, a touchstone for the show where it's a lot of jump cuts and he just, you know, rips off 50 jokes when he talks about his band names. Yeah, the jump cuts, that's the perfect example. Just because, you know, a show is made by performance, I mean, in no particular order, writing, performance, and production. And the production of it's different. The jump cut within the talking head, I think, is the first time that ever happened. I think. Am I, am I right about that? It certainly feels like the first time you jumped within a talking head. Yes, absolutely. That's a, that's a huge thing. And, and, you know, I mean, I don't know. Like, you were having fun watching it, right? It's oh. like, this is, <laughs> this is a different thing, right? Well, it's like, it felt it's, like Parks always felt to me when I would watch it where I couldn't believe it was over when it was over. It just feels like, it, it, I just, I, I always, the, the one thing about Parks always would it, it, is it felt like the fastest show on television. Yeah. You know, this change in tone is is amazing on a lot of levels. First of all, a lot of shows don't get a chance to survive six episodes where they don't, where they're still figuring it out, right? So the show was blessed in that era, in that in that area, and now you've got, you've got a chance to figure it out. And is that just a function of people, you know, the, you know, what, what, what is it? Just the actors going, "Hey, I liked this in episode three. I like this in episode two. Whoa. How how does that happen on a show? I think it's a lot of factors. And and it starts from, by the way, flexible showrunners, right? You got to watch yes. what's coming in. You got to watch what's working, what's not working as well. Yep. And then, yes, definitely 
what suits the strengths of your cast and what you realize, you know, tone is such a, an ambiguous thing, right? It's this amorphous thing. So what is tone? It's so many components when you're making a, a film or TV show, right? It's everything combined. And in this case, you know, obviously it's pacing. It's the, you know, frequency of jokes. It's the sort of level of groundedness. And in, in, in especially in this case, it's, it's kind of just how upbeat and happy some of the characters are. Like, think about what Pratt brings to this episode or what Aziz brings to it. And, and you know, honestly, I think the cuts had started coming in, right? We had probably started watching some of the episodes. Dailies were coming in. And it's like, what, where, it, you're almost like a scientist, right? You're like figuring out, you're tinkering with your ingredients. You're tinkering with this machine and seeing what works and what is sort of not working as well. And so I think by this episode, you know, editing is faster. Uh, you know, the actors are sort of getting more into their characters. And you see, look at look at the joy that there's a scene where Ron Swanson expresses joy, right? It's like that is, there, you know, he's with his, his ex-wife's sister, which is a hilarious bit. And I think it just started getting faster, funnier, more, you know, a, li- more, a little bit more warmth, a little bit more sentimentality. And the characters, and this sounds cheesy, the characters start to love each other. The characters start to love each other. And this show ultimately is about a sort of work family that loves each other. That puts it in contrast with The Office, which is like, oh, we're in prison. <laughs> like, we're in prison and we're in a gray hellhole and we have to deal with each other. And this show is more like, what if you got to work in a place where you liked your coworkers and you had a mission you all believed in and you're led by something, you're led by somebody who believes in her mission and is indefatigable. So all that stuff, I know that's a lot of ingredients, but all of that comes into play as you're writing the show, directing the show, producing the show, editing the show, and finally shipping it out to the world. And this is the beginning of that, right? This is the beginning. So, um, you know, very exciting moment in the show. And I'm excited to watch the rest of these episodes with you and with our, li- with our listeners because it, it just builds and builds. And, and we'll see that. We'll feel the energy as we keep watching. The show is just sillier. Yes, like, 100%. It's just, it's like, there's a silliness. And by the way, Chris Traeger was nothing if not silly. So, but that it starts to get set with, there's just this little bit where Leslie goes on, on to what she thinks is a dinner meeting and the older guy thinks it's a date. There's is a runner in this and it's just so genius for a number of reasons. But he tries to get her, he, it does just a little throwaway where he wants her to eat, try some of his food. And he's like, here it is, chicky, chicky, chick, chicken, chick, chick, just a chicky, chick, chicken, chick, chicken, chick. And it's just this really stupid, silly bit. And it goes on and on and on and on. And it's so funny and dumb. Yeah. And it's, it's being more comedy forward. It's being more physical. It's being more visual and it's being faster. All of those things come into play. And, you know, obviously the cast sort of starts locking in. You can't expect a cast member to be as locked into what they want to do and what the writers have in mind on day one as opposed to day 30 of a shoot. I mean, it, it's just a different thing. And um, it, this one's certainly the other interesting thing about this episode is once you start figuring that stuff out, you as a television writer have to start moving chess pieces. Right. So you want to arrange them in the way that sets up the dynamics and relationships you want. So some of the significant things that happen in this episode, Leslie starts getting over Mark which builds her up as a character because she no longer has a crush on someone who isn't interested in her. So that builds her character. We have Anne have a come to Jesus moment about Andy. So that's starting building up her character and it frees them up to start having other interests and plays into the dynamics of who they are. So it's sometimes very complicated to build a show that works because you might have 
five, six, eight, ten moving parts in terms of characters and character dynamics. So this episode is not only really funny, it's really functional in that respect. And I think set us up for a season two where everything started clicking. Well, the, the other thing is um, you guys as a staff, and this is from really from Mike Schur and uh, from at the top at this point, Mike's really writing a lot of uh, looking at the show. It's his purview is like you said, they're fl- you guys are flexible and not dug in, not entrenched, not, you know, your way or the highway. I mean, there are plenty of showrunners who are like that. They're like, they, they don't want input or when there is input, they don't want to listen to it. You know, I've, I've lived it. And, you know, this is w- one of those, which, which I loved when I came in is like, you know, everybody, you guys just want your actors to win. You want your actors to be the best iteration of themselves. And it, it comes across. It, 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 it absolutely comes across. And also, Mike Schur directed this episode, which is yeah. another thing that I think is interesting. I, it's probably no coincidence. Yes. And one thing that happens when you're the showrunner is you're absolutely swamped with work throughout a season. So it's difficult to direct while you're while you're writing, right? Because you're writing, you're editing, and you know, obviously shooting is going on. So he got to direct this one. He got to be on set. I remember him being on set because I was on set for this episode as well. And, you know, getting to be there in person, that's why, as we've talked about, sort of the streaming show model versus the network show. On streaming shows, I'm there for every second of every shot of the show from the first shot to the last. And I sometimes want to direct at least half the episodes, right? I just want to sort of be there for everything. You just get a little bit more control and you see the tone and you see what's working. And look, no one knows the show better than Mike. It's ultimately his show and his vision. So he got to sort of input that on set as well as in the writing room and in the and in the editing room. So that's all sort of part of it. And and yeah, like you said, we really valued the contributions of our actors on this. And you can tell by how the how the characters evolve and change to become in some ways more similar to the actors portraying them. You know, it's like we'd be fools. By the way, we'd be fools to not take input from Bowler or from Aziz or from you and Adam when you guys came in or Pratt or, or any of these 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 actors are so funny and just knew what they were doing. So um, it was a very open atmosphere. And and I think uh, it, it all went to the show's benefit for sure. And that's I feel like Amy really found layers of Leslie in this episode that I always loved. And one of my favorite little bits is when is when she gets in that gear or even she is the most optimistic can do person realizes it's going to hell. And during the date, when the guy starts talk, when she starts slowly realizing that this guy thinks it's a date, her sort of asides to herself make me laugh so hard. She's literally going, oh boy, okay. All right, okay, that's good. Mm -hmm. All right, okay. Like that little, that thing that she does throughout the course of the show, this is the sort of first time you see it and just so funny. Some people, you, you can't teach that. It's just like, you're funny deeply within your bones. Like, it's just yes. like, you can't do anything not funny. It's like, yes. like, there's some people like that. We all know some actors, right? Like Some people in your life who are like that. It's just like, you can't do anything not funny. It's just always funny. And Polar is one of those people, right? Even when she does sort of the dramatic stuff, she's able to bring a lightness to it. And and that's, you know, again, another secret ingredient, secret, you know, weapon in the show is she can carry a lot of the storyline. And, you know, being number one in a show, as you know, 
That's difficult. That's really difficult. You're in so many scenes. You're driving story. You're performing exposition. You're involved in all of these central relationships and be really funny. Yet you get super tired. You're in hair and makeup two hours before you know call time and or, or five to, in my case. Yeah, exactly. Dep- yeah, exactly. And 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 so so really really impressive stuff. And and again, I feel like this is a springboard. Not to spoil the next episode, Pony Zoo, the first episode of season two, but. You know, obviously, there's a recalibration. We start that episode, there's a cold open, and she's like rapping in the cold open. So it's, it's just a different thing, right? We see this episode, and you see what is working, and you just go after it, right? You just go after it. So, uh, yeah, just a, it was exciting to watch. When, um, and I'm kind of, sounds like I'm kind of obsessed. It's uh, Ron Perkins who plays George, the old man. Yes. At one point, he talks about his kids, and then, and, le- and that kind of, grosses Leslie out. And then he talks about his grandkids. And that's, I think, where Leslie goes, oh my God, this guy's so old. And then he shows Leslie pictures of the kids. And I'm telling you, one of them is Ryan Seacrest. I'm not making this up, right? Because I, fr- I don't think I was it's Ryan fre- Seacrest. Dude, I, dude, I, don't I was freeze framing it. I was freeze framing going, it's right. The middle picture in the guy's wallet, when he looks at it, listeners, it's, it's look, one of us is right. Me or Take Alan a look. Take I, a look. I think it's like, you know, a few seasons ahead where we did the um, Michelle Wee thing and we kept sneaking her pictures into Councilman <laughs> Jam's <laughs> What a thing. weird bit. Oh, yeah, that he had a crush on Michelle Wee. Yeah, yeah that's my favorite. So specific. God, I forgot about that. That's uh, kind of an amazing bit. An amazing also bit. Very disturbing. Oh, yeah, very. And, no, and, we go to Councilman Jam's house and he's got posters of her. Don't forget that. We, that that's coming up. Yes. He, I remember now he he has, some, he's like wearing a kimono and stuff. Oh, it's, it's one of my trouble. favorite episodes ever. He's like ever. a teppanyaki grill. Yeah, we'll get to that one. We'll get yeah. to that one. But yeah, no, uh, the character of George Gurnway, the older man that that Leslie goes on a date with, with is, is played by Ron Perkins, who who happened to be the husband of one of our casting people, Nancy Perkins, but he did a great job. He, he was like, just, it was just, te- it was really funny, but not teetering into sketch, right? You're like, ah, oh, you do kind of feel for this guy. And his talking heads were kind of good. His talking heads were like, yeah, it's going well. It's like, it's his, he good. was absolutely flipping fantastic in this. Yeah. I was blown away at how funny he was. And that's, you know, that's the other thing about shows is when you do multiple storylines, A story, B story, C story. Oh, wait, guess who just appeared on my screen? Who is that? Who is that? Yes. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors. No prep, no mess meals. Now, Factors fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved, which is awesome. And they're ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. So, so good. I love this stuff. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you will always have new flavors to explore to help you crush your wellness goals. And let me tell you what I crush. They have a smoky bacon and cheddar egg bite that is mm, 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 good. Mm. I tried their shakes also, and they were so good. Oh, I'm a Factor fan. Head to factormeals.com slash parksandrecs50 and use code parksandrecs50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code parksandrecs50 at factormeals.com slash parksandrecs50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. 
When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. That is so true, Greg. LinkedIn knows that as a small business owner, you don't have the time or the resources to spend countless hours looking for the right person for the job. So they have launched a new feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. And it isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching. In fact, get this, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Wow, that, that, that's impressive. That's amazing. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash parks. That's linkedin.com slash parks to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. How are you? Hi, everybody. Can you even think as you are now rescuing your family, saving the world? Can you even remember a day when you were Andy Dwyer? (laughs) Yes, I can. Like it was yesterday. Wild. That's not lost in your foggy memory. I think some of it is. There was a lot, you know, seven years, right? And it was a period in my life that I was taking significantly less care of myself you know like i was there's a lot of brain cells were lost in that era and so uh i remember some of it um <laughs> yeah rock show is the very it's really where you come into your own on the show by the way we've been watching these from the get-go this is the, the this is the sixth episode of parks and recollection and thank you for coming on but right, of dude i'd never seen the shows and so going back <laughs> going back and watching them you are the only one yeah. From the minute you show up on the show, it's like you you like blow off the screen for sure. Wow. Thank you. I'm thanks. I guess I, I it's it's in hindsight looking at it, it's right. You came in in episode season three. Is that right? Season two. Yeah. End of season end two. Season so two yeah. Starting, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I watched Rock Show in preparation of this podcast just to kind of refresh my memory on it. And it, it was jarring that during the title sequence, it says, it shows everybody, and then it says, and special guest star, Chris Pratt. Yeah. I was like, you're going to be on. Like, you're going to be written out of the show. Eddie, yeah. <laughs> they were just like, yeah, he's here, but, you know, don't get too uh, attached because he's just a guest star. Um, yeah, it was wild. I remember that, 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 that first season, Alan, it, there was like some turmoil, right? Like it came out, the pilot came out, people were comparing it to The Office. And it gotten like, weirdly, it was like, we were all instantly on the ball. Like the pilot came out and people were like, okay, well, we're going to get canceled tomorrow. And, and it hadn't caught its audience yet. And it hadn't really found its rhythm yet as a show. But I remember halfway through the first season, we took a big hiatus, right? And there was like, uh, something happened. You guys went and reimagined maybe the show. And when we came all, and then when we came back, felt like there were some shifts some changes and then i was like wait i'm gonna be in a rock concert in the final episode <laughs> this is great so i think that maybe and it's, it's you know it's surrounded by amazing people but i think there's always an adjustment period anytime a show is settling in and you're finding characters and of course this being a greg daniels mike sure thing people were inevitably going to be car- comparing it to the american version of the office and and so uh and and it's just a different show you know and it has a different lead and I think everyone was sinking into what was working and the character of Andy was working 
probably because I was allowed to literally do whatever I want. So it was like, tailor this role to fit yourself because it's kind of a non-role. Just so you have a little bit of time to do whatever you want to be funny. Where everyone else was sort of adhering to the structure that was created for these characters before they were cast. And sometimes when you're cast in a role that's written, you're trying to conform to fit that role. Where with Andy, I always had the benefit of just allowing the role to con- uh, just conform the role to fit myself. Yeah, that character couldn't have changed more. Could not have changed more. It was like a real, he was like kind of a, 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 a dickhead. It was like, this guy was a dickhead. He was like really mean. Yeah. And then we cast one of the most likable actors ever. It's like, no, maybe this guy should be really likable. And then he was it's like, yeah, okay, why not? That's happened every time I've ever, I, I just shows that I'm not, I don't have that <laughs> much rate. Because yeah. <laughs> every, like, I remember back on Everwood, it was the same thing. I got cast as like the jock bully jerk brother. And about halfway through the first season, they were like, we actually like Chris more than we like this character. So let's just turn the character into Chris and have it be the clown version of Chris. And that can actually happen on Everwood. All of a sudden, halfway through, the jerk bully was like, you know what? He's got some redeeming qualities. He's nice. He's nice. It's like, well, yeah, he's a dummy. But hey, you know, look at him. He's salt of the earth kind of guy. And so it felt like the same thing happened with Andy. You got to save all that material for my other podcast, Forever Everwood, my Everwood recap <laughs> podcast. That uh, I'll ask you to, to be on that uh, right after this. Yeah, but, uh, great. Yeah, yeah, that's back great. Back Everwood great. material. I'll just change and do a quick outfit yeah. change. We'll jump right we'll into block record. <laughs> we'll block record those. <laughs> no, but it really, it really was like you know, it was a testament to you. I think we were literally talking earlier about how the theme song knew what the show was before we did, and I think you had some inkling of well, this is fun. What's fun for me might be fun for the audience, and so. Just to let the, the the listeners in, yeah, originally the character of Andy was was written to be like kind of someone who would be written off the show and would be yep. like, hey, it's Anne's boyfriend. We don't like him. It's part of her personal growth to get rid of him. But sometimes in a show, when you have someone who's, you know, clearly scoring in the show and getting laughs, it's like, wow, we'd be idiots to let this guy go. Let's just have him in the show. And thank God, you know, we kept Pratt around. But it really, you know, think about this episode it really changes the tone of the show. And, and, and part of it is because Pratt's in so much of it. He's in a lot of it. And it's like he has an energy. It opens with you doing physical comedy. It closes with you playing the show. And, right. you know, basically you and me carrying the show at the end, you know, yeah. just really Not, like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, it's, it's really fun. It's a really fun up. How yeah. the song The Pit did not become the anthem during COVID is a really missed opportunity. I was an air of the pit. You were an air of the pit. I fell in the pit. Do you know what the, what's here's the hilarious thing about this song? <laughs> he goes, I, We all fell in it, the pit. I take down to the paradise city grass. <laughs> you know, it's, it's that's the song. It's actually Paradise City. It's the chord progression of Paradise City. Yeah. That drum fill is just Paradise City. It goes like, oh, it goes into it, yeah. man. We, we practiced that song a million times. We played it a million times. Really, we went, we went and, do you remember that we went to that studio to practice it and then we played it live in, yes. the, reco- in, in the shoot, man? It was actually really fun. I'd never, I, you know, f- played guitar just recreationally for fun. Uh, I guess, did I say recreationally and for fun? <laughs> I think it's a little redundant. Um, I played guitar, not professionally. And then we got to do a band practice and we became a band and we had band practice and we rehearsed and we got to play a live party. We got to play that stuff live. And then we got to play the rap that was party great. live. It was cool. We be, mouse rap became a real thing and we, it was really cool. Mike Shore 
made me join the band because he was like, you were in a, you were in a punk rock band when you were a kid, right? So I, I, I played a band when I was like 17. And he's like, it'll be really funny if you're just, you're just going to be in this one episode. Like, you'll just be in this one episode. Like, you'll play in the background. You'll, be, you'll come to set this one time and then Pratt will sing or whatever. It's easy. And then, of course, Mouse Ride is in 15 episodes. <laughs> so it's like, you got to keep going to set. Keep learning the songs. But Pratt's right. Like, the thing that was fun about it is we would actually learn the songs and then we would play them at the rap party every year. Whatever five Mouse Rat songs we learned that year, we would play at the rap party. Yeah, so that which was really were fun. essentially all pretty much the same song. One, four, five. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we're going to have an album out now. Did you know about that? I saw that. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, did you record that? <laughs> you recorded it while I, we were doing the show. I guess. I guess. We have yeah. an album. <laughs> it's Mouse Rat, the awesome album. It's all the songs that we did on Parks and Rec. No one consulted me about it. They're like, uh, no. Hey, do you want to promote this album? I was like, what? there's an album? And then they were like, yeah, do you want to promote it? And part of me is like, yeah, that'd be cool. I'd love, I've always wanted to have that be like that actor who has the Vanity album. You know, I hope it gets a million copies and I get the, the fucking the, the platinum yeah. album on my wall. But then on the other hand, I'm like, but you're not going to like, I don't know. I don't think I'm being compensated for this beyond the whatever I'm fifteen thousand dollars an episode i was making for the show or something. yeah me so like, neither <laughs> like um i think no i think i'm gonna say no a hard pass on promoting your album <laughs> your album they didn't tell anybody they i don't think they told mike i don't know i don't know it just came out it's I don't the know what I saw that. It's like wait what i was like i'm in mouse i didn't know about that <laughs> i just hope out. that mark rivers gets uh compensated because that dude is is the heart and soul and brains and talent behind mouse rep so but if anything i would just advocate that mark be taken care of because he did such a great job Absolutely. Mark Rivers was the drummer in Mouse Red and he wrote pretty much all the songs. And I think he recorded a lot of the tracks and like he would record a scratch track yeah. and then, you know, Chris would sing the actual vocals. But yeah, um, yeah he's a he's a really funny guy and he's a great musician and he wrote all these songs. Yeah. Really complicated, as we said, GCD type songs, but they are they are pitch perfect for what it is, right? They're pitch oh, perfect they for are. what it and, is. And in fact, if you go into the lyrics of the songs, which I think he would get credit for writing for the most part, uh, they're brilliant pieces of comedic writing. I mean, yep. I think there's one song. I don't know if it was a Mark Rivers song. Well, one song is called Two Birds Holding Hands. And it says, two birds holding hands, so much better than one. And it's like the idea that birds are holding hands. And then it's this whole thing like, we could fly through the ocean. Really good, bad <laughs> uh, lyrics. And, and of course, every song includes the lyric, spread your wings and fly. Yeah. So that's spread your wings and flies in every chorus. It's in every, you know, that's just good writing. This episode's legendary for your talking head on, on band titles. Yeah. For those, the listeners, that is Pratt riffing. I mean, yes, there were some written for him, but then he started just riffing and ad-libbing and, they, and, the, and Mike Schur, who directed it, was smart enough to go, just keep going, man. Give me a bunch of them. What, what's your favorite one looking back on? Because I have mine. Uh. We were three skin and then we got the basins and we became four skin. The he had a real suicide. Uh razor dick. That's like anything that has to do with dicks, I was laugh at. It's a it's a good run though. I was really proud of that. The truth is here, here's the truth. Here's the truth behind that whole ad lib. And it's really the truth behind all, most of my ad libs on Farks and Rec and anything that I've done in my life. I think that ad lib some of it just comes in the moment. But I think that the best ad libs are the result of writing ahead of time and then hubris and, and, and the acting is actually pretending like you're coming up in the morning moment with the stuff that you're coming up with, but you've thought about it way in advance. So you have like five pages of material that you can write. 
that list of band names was something I had written for the audition because I knew that the guy was a rocker guy and I just spent two weeks leading up to this audition at the time. It was, it was a period in my life where the, the, the beacons in my life were the auditions that were coming up. So it was like, I have two weeks before that moment. I would hyper-focus on that moment for the entire two weeks leading up to it. And so I had a whole list of all the names for the audition, hoping that I would have an opportunity in that audition to do some improv and to say the band names. I never got to say them. And then in the finale episode, this kind of head talking head came up about the band name. And I was like, this is going to be great. I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to maybe break out that list. And then, and, and it's so like at the time, everyone was like, wow, people do improv. This is crazy. You're coming up with this in the moment. And <laughs> you're like, I, I don't, just don't even know what happened, but you, cause you don't want to say like, no, I, I wrote this. Cause they'd be like, okay, leave the writing to us. We're actually writers and you're just an act. And so I think it's, that's where, that's where that really, really came from. Well, kind of like a dream come true to be in that moment and, and to be like, this is to do that run and have people laughing off camera and be like, holy shit, like I got to do it. I got to do this for these guys. I got to do my comedy. I got to do it. There's my clown. I've been building up that clown for like six months at that point. That was really cool. It's like, it's like really heartwarming because it's when opportunity meets preparation, right? You wanted something really bad and you put the work in and you have the talent. So it's like all of that coming together. And like, you know, it, it was like, we had a couple names in there, but you know, so many of them were ones that you wrote too. It's like, man, it's just, it's just really funny. And I, I yeah. totally forgot like how many there are. <laughs> it's like, it's really like, it's like, there's, there's six of them that have orange in them. It's yeah. like the six of them yeah, have you, dick in them and yeah. six of them have orange in them. Everybody loves orange. Everybody loves orange. That was, <laughs> yeah, that yeah, was yeah. definitely a writer line. <laughs> I remember that. That's yes, a funny I, one. I wrote, I think I, I hate to, I, I think I wrote nothing rhymes with Blorange, yeah, that's, which is like that a, is, the third, the third escalation. Yeah, it was like, whatever. nothing rhymes with orange, everything <laughs> rhymes with orange, nothing rhymes with Blorange. <laughs> it's just like, it's like yeah. seventh level joke it, on a joke. Yeah. yeah, it really was. You're right. There were actually a lot in, in, I'm remembering a lot of those were, um, written. And then I, it, maybe it was just coincidence that I had also prepared a bunch for the audition and had this list going i remember it was like weirdly even before iphones like before you could have notes on your phone so i had like a little notepad put on my andy dwyer that's crazy do you remember your audition yeah oh i do i remember my auditions at cbs radford i remember walking up to (laughs) you know i was supposed to play this guy who's like a loser boyfriend rock and roll guy who's kind of a scum you know, he's the, you know, impetus for and getting into the parks department, but then kind of disappears. And everybody knew that and when they pitched it to me, they were like, it's six episodes and you'll be done. It's a six episodes of TV and special guest stars. Great. So I like, I made, I was very intentional about staying up almost the whole night before to just oh. really come in and be like a wreck. Cause I thought that would be helpful. <laughs> and then, so I went in and I remember uh, there was a, an actor that I had worked with. I won't say who it was, but that I had worked with before who was auditioning for something and he was like, Jesus, man, what's wrong with you? Like, you look terrible. I was like, yeah, I kind of stayed up. I was like, kind of trying to do, you know, ha ha, ha ha, trying to do this method thing, staying up. He's like, method? More like meth head. And I was like, <laughs> what a dick. Like, it was like one of those moments, like I went into it, I was like, oh, that was a big mistake. I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have stayed up. Now I look like I'm a meth head. <laughs> and then, uh. I walked in to the, to the lobby and there was everyone there 
including, uh, you know, people that I recognized that were comedic stars. It's like, oh man, here we go. The nerves were kicking in and I went into the audition. And for the audition, they, we started talking. And I remember at the time I was playing a lot of Grand Theft Auto and at my friend Curtis's house. And a big funny thing that we would do in Grand Theft Auto is they gave us cheat codes and you could use a cheat code to spawn a boat and then take the boat around. But if you spawn the boat in the middle of the city, a boat could just fall into the road. So we used to walk around. We were a little stoned and we would walk around and just drop boats. We thought that was hilarious. And I thought <laughs> that would be a really funny thing for Andy to be doing. So in the audition, I just immediately started improving and pretended like when she came home from work that I was playing Grand Theft Auto, dropping boats. And um, yeah, I was getting a big laugh. I remember watching your audition. I remember watching your tape. I knew it was like, oh, this you know, we watched a few tapes. It's like, yeah, I mean, this guy's so naturally funny. And again, it was probably like, this guy's a little bit too likable, but let's just cast him and see what happens. And then we just rewrote the character entirely. (laughs) It's like, why not? Right. It's like, let's just, I mean, comparing this to like that version of Andy to obviously later in the, in the run, it's so funny, man. Cause he just becomes the most likable character. (laughs) He's just, just an idiot who always has good intentions. Incompetent and confident. The best. That is that combination. Supremely confident. (laughs) Yeah. That's a great combination. You can't go wrong comedically with that. No, you're right. The irony is built in. Every time he smiles, it's funny because you're like, you have no reason to be smiling. <laughs> Idiot. He like, can't do simple math. He like, uh, There's an episode where he's deciding whether he can, he can date April. And it's like, I can't divide my age in two. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't want to divide. It's like, this is so troubling. <laughs> like, oh, man. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm thinking back, remembering like the table reads and stuff. It's like, I remember you coming in. It's like, ah, oh, who is this guy? Like, you know, like the cast is like some of them were like UCB people and standups and stuff. It's like you were coming in, drive a truck. And like, also the cast is tiny and you're massive. <laughs> so it's like everyone, like everyone in the show is like 5'10 and under. And then Pratt comes in, he's like 6'5". It's like, who is this guy? He's like, he's got a lot of energy. And I just remember those table reads. It's just a lot of fun. You know, it was like figuring oh, out what the show was. was. It was so fun. It was, and it was seven minutes from my house yes, in LA. I remember that. So <laughs> yeah, I would, I would be like, oh, my call time's in eight minutes. I better go. And I'd get in the car and just <laughs> drive to work. I mean, going through the works with hair and makeup was a very fast process. <laughs> just basically like, mm, yeah, okay. And then I would just go in. It was great. I loved it. It was really, really yeah. special. There's, there's something so fun. I mean, how do you like doing comedy compared to doing drama and, and action and all this other stuff? You know, at the time you had less of a, a resume, but now you have so many things under your belt. I mean, you know, what are the pros and cons? Like, what did you like about it? The pros of comedy is you get to remove all vanity. You should, if you're going to actually be funny. And so that's nice. The, the pressure is off in terms of what you're, what you look like and you get to be a clown. You get to clown around. You, in comedy, what's great is the response is immediate. You, you know, you have a barometer instantly to know whether or not what you're doing is working. Because you have the crew members laughing or you have the people behind the set laughing or you have this old, this own, you know, comedy compass on the inside. It's like, that's pointing towards funny. That works. With the drama or something, it's a little different because a drama the reaction to profound work and profoundly shitty work is the same with silence. <laughs> so you don't have that immediate gratification to know with w- whether or not what you're doing is working when you're doing drama because people just won't look at you. And they're like, he's, he's in this process. Let's just leave him alone. I don't want to mess with it. 
is the same as, oh my God, how embarrassing. Like he is falling so flat on his face. Don't look at him. You know what I mean? So you don't know. So there's that difference. And then with action, action is a lot more fun to watch than it is to make. There are brief moments that are really cool and surreal. You're on these giant set pieces, just like just recently is that black hawk helicopter flying over me and I have a gun and I'm covered in blood and you know, I'm running up and I look at the work. It's physically exhausting and I might have like two lines and it might be something like over here and they're like, <laughs> go, get down or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> those are the best days because it's like you, you don't have to yeah, fucking yeah. do anything. You're essentially a prop <laughs> and it's those days that you feel like a prop and in that regard, it's less fulfilling creatively but the end result, the destination is more exciting to share. Yep. Because you, everyone gathers yep. around you. Look at this fucking thing we did. It's amazing. It's like 500 souls, $200 million all came together to create this thing that makes you look way cooler than you are in real life. Getting to do heroic shit you would never get to do in real life. So that's the pro of, of, this big, of these big kind of action uh, films is the end result is, un- is amazing to be able to share, to be a part of it. And the, and the yeah. sad secret is making it is, is pretty tedious and really boring. Make it. Yeah. It's like, it's a thousands of setups and like green screen. Oh. And like, it's just like, it's just like all yeah. these setups. It's like, yeah. Yeah. it's like, it's like if you, it's like the Taj Mahal were made of, you know, tiny mosaic tiles, you'd be like, Oh my God, this is, this is a 10 million piece puzzle. I can't believe it. Yeah. Look at it. It must've been so fun to put together. And you're like, <laughs> no, it was not. It was, it took a whole day to place one tiny piece and then that was it, you know? So, yeah, it's so funny. It's, it's literally like we, we just shot a season of Master None. That was the opposite of that. Like it was just a straight drama. No, no action. Just put the camera down. No coverage. Whoa. So it was just seven minute takes, just acting, just like, almost like a play. So you gotta, you gotta come do something like that. That's to- just totally the opposite of an action movie, right? It's like seven minute takes. It's just the acting and you just cut it in and you just drop it in. So that'll be fun to do. You'll, you'll do that at some point. It'll be really I fun. Love, yeah, <laughs> I'd love to. I'd love to. I, I'd love to. I, it's been the best part has been being able to do surprise myself and to try different things and to grow and do different things. So I've, I've really liked that. So the thing we're doing now, Terminal Lifts, is, is unlike anything I've ever done before. It's really dark. It's art. It's dark and kind of artistic and kind of fucked up and feels like Jacob's ladder and it's like wow this is surprising it was a lot of but it's been uh the most fun I have in the process is doing comedy yeah I mean when people talk about what acting is I'm like okay so watch Pratt in you know as Andy particularly maybe uh, when you like maybe when you were carrying me down the there's a there's a picture on the internet of you carrying me where yeah, I look the, like I look like a small baby. <laughs> and like I just love that you're able to work at at, at both end, ends of your range and people get to see, you know, that you can you got all the clubs in the bag. It's fucking awesome. That's pretty cool. Also, to, to be clear, the terminalist is a sequel to the mentalist, right? That's right. It's the same, yes. it's the same yes. character. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 I, I'm playing his character <laughs> from the mentalist in an airport terminal. Oh yes, yeah. it's it's a crossover between the terminal, the Tom Hanks movie, the terminal, and the Mentalist. Yes, he loses so, his country. It's a <laughs> yes, <laughs> it, but instead of the Mentalist losing his passport or his country, he loses his his ID, and his passport, and he has to live in the terminal and exact revenge on the people who killed Sam. 
And you wrote the whole show this morning? Is that what yeah. happened? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so the whole season the was whole this season morning. The whole season we wrote uh, just before I, <laughs> just as I was figuring out how to work the QuickTime player to record my audio for this. Yeah, yeah. well, it's impressive. It's impressive work. <laughs> um, <laughs> You're still a rock star, and we know you got to go back to saving the world in Terminalist. So th- thank you for coming in our sixth episode, man. We're My pleasure. We're number six with the bang, with the great uh, Chris Pratt, and hopefully you'll... you'll uh, Come back um, as we explore Andy Dwyer in depth as we continue. Sure. This has been a blast. I love seeing you guys. It's good to see you again. Yeah, great to see you again, Pratt. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Uh, shall we do the, the potty town hall? Let's, let's go. Let's go, right? So this is a segment where we take questions from you guys. And this comes to us from Nicholas. I absolutely love the pod. Thanks so much for doing this. My question is, do you think we would ever get a parks office reunion crossover? Wow. A parks office reunion crossover. I would uh, love it. Very good question, Nicholas. I'm there. I mean, who wouldn't be? I would love that. You know, I think... The again, the, the decision has to be made by the two creators of the show, uh, Greg Daniels and Mike Shore. I don't know, man. I, my, my feeling is they, they never did it while the shows were on, and, and crossovers are always kind of dicey, right? It's always like, man, is it gonna get weird? Is it like sometimes shows have different tones? Obviously, it would be fun. I mean, you want to see Ron Swanson and Dwight Schrute talk to each other, you want to see Michael and Leslie talk to each other. I mean, I would say <laughs> never say never. But I don't know the likelihood of either thing happening. I don't know, man. I maybe I should text Mike and Greg and see if they're interested in it. But Nicholas, you need to find out the current president of NBC is, and you need to pick it and bang on pots and pans. Um, we can have this, and I would do it. I'm there. You get Carell, you go to his house. You stand on Steve Carell's helipad, and you're just like, man, we need you back where you belong. What about you, Alan? Be fun for the fans. I know the I know that Parks did kind of a COVID reunion thing that they they, they shot in their homes um, over Zoom, and that was pretty fun. Um, I know Thirty Rock did one too. But man, a reunion crossover—it's almost like two different things happening at the same time. <laughs> um, but yeah, maybe we'll have Greg on and, and ask him about that, and Mike too. Um, they they would probably deflect like I'm kind of doing now and just filibuster, much like Leslie in that first season episode. That's right. And that's all we have for this episode. I hope you enjoyed listening. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and tell a friend. Thanks to producer Greg and producer Schulte. Goodbye for Pawnee. This episode of Parks and Recollection is produced by Greg Levine and me, Rob Schulte. Our coordinating producer is Lisa Berm. 
The podcast is executive produced by Alan Yang for Alan Yang Productions, Rob Lowe for Low Profile, Jeff Ross, Adam Sachs, and Joanna Solitaroff at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson at Stitcher. Gina Batista, Paula Davis, and Britt Kahn are our talent bookers. The theme song is by Mouse Rat, a.k.a. Mark Rivers, with additional tracks composed by John Danik. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Parks and Recollection. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Stitcher. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com.